For over 10 years, we've been bringing you killer metal music and frank discussions about heavy metal. Wait, who the hell is Frank? You are tuned into MSR Cast, brought to you by Mainstream Resistance and Metal Injection. Here are your hosts, Kerry the Metal Geek and Sean the Metal Pigeon. Keep it metal. You are my reason to stay, even if daylight's a lifetime away. May the kings and the queens of the dawn remember my name as darkest the fallen star. My song for the children unforgiven.
Welcome, my friends, to episode 169 of MSR Cast. We have made it. Yes. And, to 169. And, and we, you know what? We promised it wouldn't take too long until the next episode, and we're delivering. That's on right. That promise. Delivering the goods. Yeah. It always feels like it's that we're, we've waited too long between episodes, but um, it's just a mental thing. It's like, oh, I haven't listened to enough albums. I haven't caught up on music releases. It's just all mental. It's like, this is... We want to deliver more episodes at a rapid pace. Yeah, That's we need to work on some more uh, specialty episodes. So, yeah, that that way we can, if there's nothing that's really catching our attention new, we could still fill stuff in. You forwarded me that email from the gentleman in Australia who that's was right. uh, talking about, and this is, and he he mentioned uh, how he would like to hear an episode on concept albums, and we have talked about this. We in have the past. Con- talked about that, and uh, it's just one of those ideas we had brainstormed. Like, hey, one day we'll get around to it. And the concept like, of doing a concept album, yeah, episode, episode is yeah. pretty conceptual. This, uh, I think, I can see it happening sometime in the next few months. That episode, off the top of your head, your favorite concept album. Oh, it always goes back to Operation Mindcrime. But yeah, you know that's the problem a good one. with that is that part two has tainted that for me. And now I, I view the original as, as like... Subpar? No, no, no. I, I view the original as, as good, but it was good when its story was was untampered with. Yeah. And Un, what, untainted. Untainted. Tainted. Jeff, untainted. Yeah. But besides that, I mean, the other one that stands out is Camelot's Epica plus Black Halo, the double... Uh, album Faustian you're, you're a story huge Camelot line. fan, so a big Camelot fan. Yes. The first one that comes into my mind, this is probably not a big surprise for anyone, is can you guess? Uh, well, Anthrax doesn't have any concept. No, <laughs> I gonna, it, it's go, it's going to have to be Arion, the Human Equation. Okay, yeah, yeah, that yeah, amazing double album, the concept album. Yeah, love that. Well, That's, so the was that what was the, is it his own concept or is he going on something else like uh, no it's his own well you know the the concept of the band Arion is a concept in itself hmm. it's um you know the story of like this machine and everything and it's all all sci fi and futuristic and apparently the human equation is sort of like a one off from the the other albums but it all takes place inside this machine and it's the story you know basically the story of a guy who gets into a car accident. And he's sitting in a hospital in a coma, and all the voices aren't is going on in his head. Yeah. Are different vocalists, and there's family visiting around him, and he's singing to himself. You know, wonder if they can hear me. And that such a good me, album. That reminds me so much of that seventh uh, Wonder album. Oh yeah. Uh, I can't. It starts with an F. I, it was but a, see, the difference between that is Arion can do it without having to do a bunch of voiceover lame, stuff. Lame voiceover yeah, stuff. Yeah, they can do it. Yeah. He can do it in. Five notes or less. Yeah, I, I love that Seventh Wonder album, but oh my god, the yeah the uh, segues and the skits and all the stuff they have going on over it is some, is maybe that might be the worst album for that kind of like offensive stuff. Mm. The songs are so, so good. Though. We should we should hold off on on this topic until we yeah, actually yeah, yeah. get, we, we get to our episode. We're all gonna of a sudden this just changes. I the- know, right? What what playlist do we have now? Screw that. Yeah. So we talked about Camelot earlier because it's some of your favorite concept albums. Let's uh-huh. talk about the new album. Yeah. So this is a big week for Camelot fans. Uh, uh, Tuesday, um, new album came out, Haven, and I've been listening to it pretty consistently since it came out. You know, my first thought about the album is Roy Kahn sounds really good on this album. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they. You know, the thing with um, the, the the most striking thing to me when I'm listening to it is, well. 
I can see the greater impact that that Tommy Karavik's presence in the songwriting, like actually as a member of the songwriting team, I can see what it's done to their sound, like how it's, uh, how the new Camelot actually has found sort of a a path that they can go on, and it it does to me sound like a mix of Camelot with Seventh Wonder uh, style vocal. Is that where he's from? Is he from that band? Seventh Wonder. What's his name again? Tommy Karavik. Okay. Um, it makes sense now because he he handles the vocal melodies in that band, and so when he's allowed to, because okay for the last album Silverthorn, Oliver Palatine and, and Thomas Youngblood wrote the album together. They didn't have a singer at the time; they were still auditioning people and kind of thinking about who what direction they wanted to go in. So they just wrote the album blind, basically without a voice to go with, kind of like um, Nightwish with Dark Passion Play, where he wrote the album before he knew what singer he was going to have, um, but he knew he, you know he, they kind of knew what type of voice they wanted. So anyway, with Camelot. I think their their thinking was let's just get a vocalist that is somewhat similar to Roy, but who can work on his own vocal melodies. Because if you listen to the pre uh, Roy Con Camelot stuff, it's not very good. Yeah, um, their first singer uh, name is escaping me, but there's no reason for good, to remember. For good reason, he's escaping. Yeah, me. well, the, I mean, when when Roy Con came on board, that first album he didn't contribute to the songwriting that much because it was already done. Um, but he did sort of add a little bit to it on the fourth legacy when he, when he finally got involved in the songwriting or is that album is like spectacular. That was the birth of, so you know, you know, way more about Camelot than I do. I only know a little bit. (laughs) Well, uh, that, that they were a band. Like when I, when I got into them, I got into them hard, like where that was the only band I was listening to for like about a year, like just solid is like exploring their stuff. Um, I, I can't tell you I haven't done that before. I do that. Yeah, no, yeah, it happens. Um, really good bands are going to do that to you. So, so, what do you think of the new album Haven? I, um, I'll, I'll give you my opinion. Yeah, no, I've you, listened you to first. it. I've listened to it twice, and nothing has really stuck out with me so far. Yeah, well, it's, I can see how because there's there's parts of the album where it, everything's sort of blending together. It, it, that's exactly right. It blends together um, very too much for I me. Su- I suspect that that's because you need a lot of listens to get to to open it up. Um, I listened to the crap. I, I listened to crap out of Silverthorn, like, uh, like I just to a point where I got sick of that album because I was, I was trying to determine whether it was the band had failed songwriting wise on the album or whether it was just that, um, I wasn't cracking the nut yet, so to speak. Silverthorn had was basically okay. Here's here's Cam Watts nutshell basically uh, of their their musical uh, journey in the past ten years. Those Camelots in a nutshell, are they pistachios or what are they? Um, they're like a Brazil nut. <laughs> so so <laughs> that would go good in ice cream, wouldn't 2005 it? 2005 was their last great masterpiece, The Black Halo. Yeah, that's a really good album. It, it rounded off the thing they started with Epica and uh, you know, conceptualized in Karma musically and everything. So um, the next album, Ghost Opera, is a good album, kind of spotty. The next album after that with Roy, the last album with Roy, Poetry for the Poisoned, mm, okay. a spotty album with good moments. Then he leaves the band. Tommy comes on board. Silverthorn, very spotty album with so only a couple good. This moments. is the second album with the new vocals. Second with Tommy, and I, I my 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 initial impression is that it's better than Silverthorn, but it's still spotty. You know, and and, and I need to listen to it more. I haven't written my review yet, but I'm. I'm going to this uh, next com- few days. Um, the best song is the first song on the album, I think. 
So like right away when I first put the album in and I was listening to it, I was like, oh, whoa, like this is as good. Like, that that first song on the album is the, the song that we just played. That is as good a Camelot song as you'll ever get throughout you know, their career. This whole topic. Okay. So <clears throat> this past week I was a guest star or guest host or just a guest on uh, the Just In Case podcast, which is Justin from Comical Podcast and yeah, yeah. Just In Case podcast. And we, we talked about metal a lot. We, we discussed you, of course, but we talked about how you're like the most metal person we know, just how much knowledge you know. Uh-oh. Justin's calling. Justin's calling. <laughs> but um, the other topic, one of the topics that we discussed was what it takes to get into an album. Sometimes if you fir- when you first hear an album, you love it, it sort of dies away pretty quickly. Yeah. So I'm hoping maybe this Camelot, if I give, I'll give it some more spins, and maybe it'll catch on to me. But right now, it just hasn't. It sounds like one long song to me right now. Yeah, I think you know. I think it is. I think it's like um, you have to sort of know what the band is going for. Like with Camelot, there's there's really good stuff of theirs that takes a while to get into, and then there's stuff off like their you know early uh, to mid period albums. They're just very instantaneous. Like you know greatness right when you hear it. Um, like I, I like songs from um, Poetry for the Poison, and what's the one right before it? Um, Ghost Stopper. Ghost, Ghost Stopper. That go. I like that song. The title track is really good, and that, that, there's that one song with like the guest vocalist. I can't think of who it is. Oh, um, I don't know. About the heavier sure. vocals I'm, on it. Uh, oh, uh, was it? Was it? Uh, Doing a drum roll. Come on. Was it? Sh- are you thinking about Shagrath? Shagrath. That's who it was. That was on the Black Halo, right? That was. Bla- I don't remember. I don't remember which album it was. Yeah, because I think he was the that was like the last heavy male vocalist they had on board. But yeah, no, they have a lot of guest vocalists. Sometimes that's to a fault. Of oh, really? Theirs, yeah. I don't know. The new album's hard to decipher because there's there's. I think it starts out really strong. Tracks one through five are really really strong, and then it sort of lulls in the middle there. And I'm I'm still kind of concentrating on listening to that middle period. Um, and I have all these bonus tracks that came with mine, so I'm not real. So it's all sort of when it gets to the end of the album, it's sort of a mess. I know the album ends at the song Haven, and there's some other st- bonus tracks in- involved and stuff, but I'm still trying to sort all that out. But um, it is, I-, I will say that what I've noticed, the-, the main thing I've noticed is that Tommy's handling his own vocal melodies, and that the band is so much better for it. Like, like just let him do what he does. The thing that the last album lacked. In fact, there's a song on this album that sounds exactly like uh, the the single from Silverthorn, like the lead single from Silverthorn. Okay. It, the melody sounds almost sim- very similar, almost to a point of like, come on, guys, this, didn't you notice this in the recording studio? But the difference is on this album, that song actually sounds developed, whereas it sounded stunted and abbreviated and, and kind of half-baked on Silverthorn. And I can see the difference that his presence has made and. and I was reading interviews with Thomas Youngblood, and he's like, oh, yeah, the, just the fact that he's there doing vocal melodies, like writing his own stuff, writing the lyrics. The lyrics have improved. Uh, the melodies have improved it. So they're on the right path. I think that this is a good I – th- I feel like ultimately I'm going to walk away thinking, like, this is a p- decent, good Camelot album. It's not great, but it's good. All right. Step in the right direction, I think. So we, we played a track already, and let's talk about the track we did play. We played, is it the first track on the album, Fallen Star? Fallen Star, yeah. So It's just like uh, 
like we we always say, make up your own mind if you like it. You know, seek out the rest of the album, see what yeah. you think. Yeah, but I think this song, like just this song alone, it reminds me so much of something that could have been on Epica or the Black Halo. Even the lyrics are great. Like he, he Karavik's a really good lyricist. He gets um, he has a lot more sway in Seventh Wonder, where he kind of directs the concepts and. You know, it's sort of his band along with the other guys he, they founded right. it together. So he has more influence in terms of like, here's the what we're going to talk about concept wise. Is he still can, in that other band as well? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And like he does weirder things in that band. Like he'll mention, he'll name drop Michael Jackson in a song. Okay. You know, like uh, <laughs> he did. Yeah. And, and it just weird things that make you go, what? Um, but on Camelot, he has to be within this. You know, the band's image, uh, they have a certain image and you have to play along with that image and be in line with that. And so you're free, he, he's he's a little bit more restricted, but I think he does a good job, especially on this song. Do you think this should be the first single for the album? Oh, yeah, no, no, without question. The, the, the one they chose has an interesting video for it, but the song itself is, it's it's one of the good songs in the album, but it's not, it's nowhere near this great. This is a great song. Um and bands have bands like Camelot and bands in power metal in general have a uh, track record of just making awful choices when it comes to picking out first yeah. singles. Yeah, would you would you consider this power metal? Um, symphonic power metal, yeah. You can add that symphonic tag to it. It's power metal, basically. Okay. You know, I, I mean, because if you don't call it power metal, where does it fit? Where does it fit? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? that's true. And also, I mean, it, to me, when a band has roots, like when you listen to The Fourth Legacy, that is as power metal an album as you can possibly imagine. Like, like a, the good kind of power metal, not like, I'm going to try to copy Manowar and see what I come out with, you know, that kind of thing. So um, so let's, let's, let's talk about the next band that we're going to play. Okay. Um, I have no idea who this is. Well, I, I didn't either until I, they sent me their, right, their PR firm sent me their promo. Um, Theraisas? Theraisas? Uh, no. Is, am I saying it right? Therisis? T H U R I S A Z. Therisis. Yeah. I, I looked at the name of the uh, the meaning of the band name. It's like a rune, some kind of runic thing. Anyway. Makes sense. Um, they're from, uh, what is it, Belgium? They've been around since 2000. And really? they've released like. I've heard the name before. I just never heard them. Yeah. I, I think I've seen the name around, you know, here and there, but. They have a couple albums out already. This is, this was actually out a few months ago, I think, in March. Um, but uh, it's a they're a hard band to describe. There's a lot of modern like style production to it, but it reminds me of sort of like like classic Opeth mixed with like Dan Swano style stuff, Queen oh, vocals and stuff. Yeah, my attention right there. But it's all kind of blanketed with this delicate keyboard orchestral stuff that kind of layers over it and there's there's instrumental tracks inside the album which are just piano playing and, mm. and it's it's really it's an interesting sounds, album it sounds good. like right up my alley actually yeah but it's it's more on the black metal end than it is death metal yeah the vocalists when they do the grim vocals it's definitely grim like harsh bleak black metal vocals but it's it's still good it's nothing brutal there's never like a part where i was like oh wow that's really heavy it's just sort of like a good album atmospheric Atmos- it's very atmospheric yeah Let's check it out. This is um, Therises. Yes. Ter- Therises. <laughs> yeah, not to be confused with that other band. Yeah, not ter- Therises or yeah. whatever. Ter- yeah. Whatever. Whatever it T-H-U-R-I-S-A-Z. is. T-H-U-R-I-S-A-Z. Here they are. 
were just listening to Theraisas. The song was called Rays of Light from the album The Pulse of Morning. I like that album title. M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Oh, yeah. Morning. Morning. Exactly. Yeah. When I first heard the, tra- the, the title, I'm like, it's not the Madonna cover, is it? What Madonna cover? Ray of Light or something? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I-, I was happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> Man, so I've, I've never listened to this band before, but... I think I automatically f- became a fan right there. Yeah, that's a great song. It, 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 I don't know, just they have a. You, I, what was the description you were talking about when we were listening to it? I said uh, when we were listening to it, I, I sort of mentioned if um, if it was enslaved was more opessian yeah. in nature. Yeah, I, with I, I, a little bit, of, it was very um, atmospheric. Like I, I had a lot of feeling of like you know anastema and those type of. Yeah, Me- melancholy like bands. sort of a little uh, lighter toned catatonia too. I could see that in yeah. There. It's uh, really really good though. Yeah, yeah, the album is good too. And but you know I, the only thing I wish on the album is that they had a little bit more in the way of actual songs. There's a couple like just piano instrumentals in there which sound good and they add the overall mood and theme of the album musically. The ambiance. The ambiance. But yeah, I, I do wish it was like uh, the album was a little longer and had a couple more songs on it. But that being said, that's a pretty minor complaint for. What is actually becoming? It, well, to me, it's one of the most surprising out of nowhere albums of the year so far. So, contender, uh, definitely a contender for the album of the year list. I think. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy already. Yeah, I know. And I'm it's great. Have, I'm gonna it's have just, to listen to it. It's great when stuff like that happens. Just comes out of nowhere. I mean, that's interesting. That you know, we can bring each other music that we've never heard, and it it really works that way. You know, like, yeah. It's it's that that one track that I just heard. Because in in all truthfulness, we do listen to the songs between the takes. Yeah, because we want to we want to be fresh. We want to know what we're talking about and yeah. you listen to it. I never heard that before, and oh, I yeah. was blown away. Yeah, it was good. You know, it just reminds me of something that I someone had posted on my Facebook uh, this week, where there was an article about a study done where they said that people over the age of it was like thirty two or thirty three don't listen to new music. I saw that article. Yeah bullshit that <laughs> like is, yeah, that is i'm bullshit. sure that's true for a lot of other people but like it doesn't you know there's always exceptions to the norm or whatever and but um, i go back and listen to classic albums as well i do but like to me there's something exciting like when when a band like that comes out of nowhere even if they've been around since freaking year 2000 when they when they finally hit me and i haven't heard them before and then and i realize like well this guy's what took really you so good. long to get on that bandwagon it's been 15 years man yeah yeah <laughs> But I mean, just getting that, getting into a new band, when new to me, to me is like um, it. It renews my faith in in being a metal fan, right? It, you know, it, it's like I'm not just going back and listening to Iron Maiden's "Peace of Mind" over and over and over again. Because that does you know? give you peace of mind, but <laughs> I, like you need I, to, the new music. Yeah. Getting into new music, getting connected to something like that. That's what makes. That's why I keep doing what I'm doing with this. You know. I agree. I'm totally there with you, man. I if, mean, if all we were talking about was old stuff, which I we we actually should talk more about old stuff. Uh, we, yeah, we focus a lot on new music, but new music. I think it's to me, it's the engine that keeps me wanting to do the metal pigeon blog and wanting to do the podcast and everything. So, yeah, good good on Thorisis. I feel like this album uh, for them could be if they if they just get in the right uh, blogs and media outlets, they, they could. Elevate their profile with this album. Oh yeah, definitely, man. Their record I mean, label I've never heard of. What I, is the record label? I don't even know. It was, I looked it out in Metal Archives and I was like, "Who?" And it was it was just some weird 
um it was like sleazy something records or oh yeah sleaze the rider Records. yeah i've never heard of that label ever that's what i love about encyclopedia metallum when you go look at the uh the genre is atmospheric death black metal and i can definitely yeah more black metal than death metal i mean um their their lyrical themes are depression darkness and doom yeah <laughs> okay yeah i guess so <laughs> i I, re- I really really dig these guys yeah so yeah it's funny i'm looking at the members uh the drummer his name is Pepin de Raymaker, and he's credited as Drums and Whispers. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny when you're credited, credited as a Whispers. I like that if you notice, like, all those, those four guys, um, the members, have been mm-hmm. in the band since 2000. Yeah. The, only, the only person, the bassist, has been rotating. They've had a succession of bassists. Yeah, they have a guy, Nick Mengink. On Looks like bass. a pair of brothers is like the main guys. Yeah, that's what yeah, Peter and Matthias Seewin. Yeah, don't know who's doing what. Don't know who's doing the clean or the but grim this, vocals. This bass player they they added to the lineup in 2014. His previous work includes Blaze Bailey and Tim Ripper Owens. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. It's a little bit of a, a, a little bit of <laughs> it's a leap. change. Yeah. yeah, a little bit of leap. Yeah. I was trying to be nice about it. Yeah, it's really really good. Um, there's another new band you're bringing to the table tonight that I've never heard. Yeah, this band called Monox. Um, I, they're from Croatia. They caught my attention because um, they. It's, I don't know who I forgot who their PR rep was, and I, I shouldn't forget stuff like that. But uh, they sent me a link to the video, and they did a video for the song we're gonna play. Um, yeah, the they video, are. They are Croatian. They're from Rijeka. Rijeka. Croatia. Yeah, not a lot of bands from Croatia, I think. Not really. And uh, so there's their first album. I think they just had an EP before this, like a, a couple years back. Um, the the video was so eye-catching, though. It's rare that I see a music video in metal that I think, like, oh, that's actually really well done. It was just, like, a lot of shots of cities, like, scapes and stuff. But it was edited in the way that was, like, very incongruous with the music. and Okay. Yeah, it just it, it caught my eye. I like, I was that like stuff. Man, when you know when the song sounded good, they're sort of progressive death metal, not melodic death metal, right? Although there is me- melody in there, it's just it's just very heavy. Melody in the in the vocals, or more melody in the guitar riffing. Guitar riffing, okay. yeah. But it's 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 heavy. I mean, it's is a it is a brutal album. Yeah, but not um, but. But the prog- there's a lot of space and you know there's it's not every moment's just covered up with rips. There's a lot of space and sense of uh, separation between instruments, that kind of thing. So it's That's cool. it's a good album. Uh, I'm still kind of digging into it more and more because I just really only caught on to these guys about a month ago. So let's uh, let's go ahead and hear it. This is the track that you picked is called uh, "Perfect Sky" and this is from the album called "Perception Changes." And this is the band Monix. Yep. M O N O X. Yeah. Let's check it out. We'll be right back.
Hey everyone, we are back. We are at episode number 169 of MSR And uh, we just heard some Monox. Monox? Monox. Monox. Yes. That's yes. the way I'm going to say it. For, uh, perception changes the album. Uh, what was the name of the song? Uh, Perfect Sky. Yeah. So, what did you think of that video? Because we were watching we the watched, video. Yeah, we watched the music video. Go, go to YouTube and search out the music video because it really does, you know, work well for the track. Yeah. The video was shot really, really well. I mean, there's a lot of um, cool time lapse photography stuff and video and, and good being editing. a being a video nerd. Yeah. It was shot really well. The editing was was nice. It, it fit the track. Yeah. This is something I'm surprised that you really you're into. Because it has it's you. You said it was brutal. Yeah. I don't really find it brutal. Well, I, I guess you know br- it's relative brutal compared to say Thrice's and Camelot. You know. Yeah, well, yeah. It but, um uh, it reminds me of something from the '90s in, in in a way, but it sort of has like the little bit of I'm not gonna say metalcore, but it has like that post feel to it that post. yeah that i can detect a little bit but, but it's but pretty not good because normally that stuff puts me off yeah me like too but I the detect, vocals yeah. was something very much from like the 90s well, when i like about that vocalist especially when you see him doing his wildly gesticulating theatrics when he's singing is he reminds me of like a very his style is i'm gonna say basic based on death metal but he's unrestrained you know he's not He'll he'll out break out of that style a lot. Yeah, he reminds me of the singer from uh, Primordial, actually, in a weird way. I can see that. Yeah, like they don't sound alike, but but they're both like their voices will go off and just kind of wild tangents. Wild tangents. Yeah, like we're ten, like we tend to do on this show sometimes. Yes, uh, the you know the thing with the music video, I you know way more about video stuff than I do. Like, but for me, most music videos in metal are awful. So when a good one comes along, it stands out that much more. My only know? complaint about the the video at all, it's the whole first two, three minutes of the video, great shots, and there's really cool time-lapse stuff. Yeah. And then the, most of the rest of it is just them, like, playing. And it goes back yeah. to a couple shots at the end, but they could have mixed it around a little bit more. Spread it out more. It's yeah. like, yeah, too it's much like they, of the They the blew their load in the very beginning. Right. And they, <laughs> yeah. They had to have that refractory time. Yeah. And then <laughs> well, there's that great moment in, like, it's like a, about a minute in when the the song kind of comes to a, like a temporary halt and the camera zooms back. Yeah. It's zooming back past the vocalist who's looking out at this cityscape, this blue sky in front of him. It's a great shot because you just see a silhouette of this guy. It's a really wide shot. Yeah, too. It's, it was really it's, nice. Yeah, just one of those things where it's like, well, that's eye popping. It reminded me um, that part of just the you know the, the, how great that Evergrey video looked that we mm. were gushing about a couple yeah. months ago. So uh, yeah, good on good on Monix to get a video that well on your first album is um, kind of unheard of in metal. So yeah. So we have some Guar news to talk about. Yeah. First of all, we're gonna we're actually gonna play something from Guar, um, just in tribute yeah. to Dave Brocky and you know something from the last album called from Battle Maximus. But before we get there, there's a little bit of news. So first of all, if you're in Houston, May 22nd to the 25th, come to Comic Palooza because Guar will be there in costume signing autographs. <laughs> no, that's right. They don't wear costume. They will be not in costume. But as they are in latex, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, most of the members, because uh, something weird just happened. 
Yeah. So this is this is something that just happened uh, recently. Um, they brought a new character into the band the last year. Uh, her name was Volvatron, and she worked really well with the group. I saw their saw them live last year on on the tour. But the um, I her name is Kim Dilla D Y L L A. Apparently, she's no longer in the band. She has been released from the band, and apparently, she found out through social media. Yeah, that's the way they're doing everything these days, I guess. Apparently, that's, that's the way to find out. If you don't have the yeah. balls to tell somebody something, yeah. just do it over emails or <laughs> yeah, or hey, Facebook. Uh, you know what? You're no longer in the band. Let's tell the whole world. What? Yeah. Wait, what? So, uh, the, what was the reason? Um. I don't know. Personality. I've heard a couple of different things. Apparently on the Facebook page, one of the posts is no longer there. Um, apparently she didn't treat fans nicely and she might've drank too much or something, but that's all rumor and hearsay because that not on there anymore. But I just know she's no longer in the band. Yeah. You know, the, the, but from what I've read, they're not getting rid of the character. They're just going to bring in another female. Maybe they're just going to bring in another person, another female to play her. Yeah, because when they announced her, I remember back when they announced her, that that in itself, you know, Dave Brocky's passing received a lot of media attention. But her character, the fact that they were bringing in a woman in the band, that even that brought them more attention. I, I remember in particular a Nerdist article just talking about her directly, and um, right. So I I don't know it that sucks for her I guess because. I think the band will be fine without her. They'll just soldier on as they have. So uh, speaking of an opportunity, apparently speaking of Dave Brocky, have you heard of a show called Holliston? No, it's available on Netflix. Everybody needs to go search this out. It's a weird combination. Okay. Of, of a, a, a two camera comedy show with laugh tracks mixed with like a horror movie. And it's, um, yeah, so here's here's basically the premise. It's there was only like six or seven episodes, but um, a couple of actual horror movie directors, Joe Lynch is one of them, Adam Green's the other one. They've put together this sitcom where they work in a TV station doing commercials, and their boss is D. Snyder, dressed up in full D. Snyder regala, <laughs> seriously. And they go through the normal horrible, you know, TV tropes from a sitcom, like oh well. I this I'm still in love with, like one of the guys I'm still in love with a girl this girl and I don't want her to know that I'm not doing well so I'm gonna hire a hooker to go out on this date with us right the yeah. hooker's all drugged out and shit it's it's not the best show but it's really it, it is sort of funny in the way they make fun of all this type of stuff but when the the one guy Adam Green he has, he has problems so he always sits on his bed and postulates you know how to fix the problem right. The weekly, the problem of the week. Right. Odorous Urungas, Dave Brocky comes out of the closet, full get up, is, is, as odorous, and gives him advice. Gives his advice and then walks away, <laughs> goes yeah. back into the closet. It's the weirdest thing ever, man. When, did, when was this filmed? Um, 2012, 2013, right before he passed away. Yeah, I never heard of this before. I, I had never heard of it, but one of my uh, one of the guys that does a lot of the the internet stuff for us, Bill, yeah, yeah. Um, our Instagram guy, we we're over um, one night and he's like, "Have you heard of this show?" We looked for it on Netflix, and there it was. 
Next thing you know, we watch two episodes. We're like, wow, all right. Yeah. It's it's definitely worth thinking out. Just don't expect it to be the best thing ever. Right. But it yeah. is what it is, and it, it is worth watching. Hmm. Give it a shot. That's that's another piece of gore news. <laughs> but um, apparently, there's a book coming out, too, called Let There Be Gore. It's a comprehensive behind-the-scenes history of the most outrageous shock rock metal rock band of all time. I did not write that ver- verbiage, but right. I'm reading that straight from Blabbermouth. It's uh, 350 pages, lenticular cover. It looks really cool. It's no, it's an official book they're releasing. Official it, book. Yeah. It's um, done by Slave Pit, yeah. It, it's an official book. Yeah, that'll be good. I'm going to have to get that book. You know, we were talking before the show about, like, um, the idea of like how how come there are not enough metal books out there, and like how come the ones that are out there tend to not be exactly what they? Do you ever get you go into a bookstore and you look at the shelf of books and you see like Encyclopedia of Metal, you know, like the best metal bands, and it's just like a bunch of compilations that like, yeah, this is information I could find on the internet. This doesn't need to be in book form, and there's not really like I always wondered why. Throughout the history of metal, there's been all these great scenes and these great explosions of, like, metal popped up in this country and in this country. And, like, the Barrier of Thrash scene. It's like, how come any of those people who went to the Barrier of Thrash scene or were in those shows well, there and are involved, some, involved behind the scenes? Like, why aren't there books from that scene? There is from, a Bay Area Thrash book that is out there, but it's more photography, that type of stuff. I mean, that's cool. I mean, just anything like that. Like, like how come, you know, like, the guys in the new wave of British heavy metal movement, how come they haven't come out with, like... Are these books out there and not, we're just not getting word of them? Or Well, the only metal book that I've really ever seen, you know, like what you said, is sort of like the encyclopedia type stuff. But there's yeah. also guys and bands will write their biography, you know, their autobiography. Yeah, but... Like Dave Ellison, Scott Ian, right. and, you know, going back to like Marilyn Manson and all that. Yeah. Dave Mustaine did it. And they're fun reads. They're good to read. Because... They're good. They're, but they're myopic. They're just about, you know, that one tunneling experience. And what, But that's not, it's cool. Yeah. It's you want Whoa, that was you want, a, a you want big a, word. You want a book to be about that one thing. But sometimes I feel like there's a lot of stories being like either forgotten through you know people's you know fading memories or whatever. There's never gonna be recorded um in any way, either whether it's podcasting or interviewing people who are in the scene. Like like how come no one's gone out to like Neil Neil Kay of the Sound House in London, you know, when Maiden were coming up and like I know they they had him on their documentary, but how come like no one's gone up to him and been like, "Hey, let's, let's do a book package or something. Let's let's get down all these stories." All I think these... you have found your your new calling in life. Yeah, but you know the thing is like, I get that there's not a lot of money to be made in anything associated with metal. You know, at least of all you know being in a band, <laughs> but uh, it's it's been disappointing to me that like. You know, there seems to be metal seems to be underserved in that department. Whereas, if you want to know something about the Beatles, they have books on every era of the Beatles, yeah. on every album recording session of the Beatles. And I get that the Beatles are a big band, but I mean, it, it, it applies to a lot of other popbacks. Madonna has books on certain segments of her career, right? So, in movies, too, maybe you know? nobody's just written them. That's probably what it is. Nobody has taken the time to sit down and gotten a book publisher number one to give them money to do it. Yeah, and to sit down, not that do the interviews. Uh, I mean, you you have stuff like um, uh, the history of like black metal. What was the name of that book? Um, 
Oh, um, wait, are you talking about the, uh, the satanic, uh, they're making a movie on it now. Lords of Chaos. Lords of Chaos. Thank you. That book was. And yeah, people. We just had people yelling at their iPod. What are you doing? Right. You know what it is. Um, well, Lords of Chaos, as a book, was kind of sensationalistic to a fault. Yeah. You know, it got so much wrong. But it was done. It was done, and and that's, you know, what I would want to see for, like uh, Florida, for example. You know, like the, the the death metal scene down there in the early days. Like I've heard um, interviews cool. with John Schaefer. Where he was talking about how. You know, Ice Earth was one of the few power metal bands down there. They were working near Tampa with Sabotage and, you know, like Camelot came up from that area too. But the, the area was largely dominated by death metal bands. Yeah. But they were all, because it was just a small scene, power metal, progressive metal bands, death metal bands had to work together. They had to play the same shows, the same bills. And so, like, I mean, there's got to be some great stories kicking around there about, like, there's got to be a lot days. of great Morrisound Morris sounds. Yeah, exactly. You know. Definitely some good stories come out of there. Yeah, I, you know, did you, uh, we never talked about this on the show, but did you ever go through the entire collection of those uh, um, Metal Evolution shows by Sam I did Don? watch all those, yeah. Yeah, did you watch the Extreme Metal episode that he released later on? No, I haven't seen that one. Um, is, is it online or? Yeah, you just have to like BitTorrent and whatever because they released it online. Within like, like a Kickstarter type of deal? Kickstarter, yeah, yeah okay. exactly. I haven't yeah. seen that one yet. Yeah, no, no, no. It's good. I mean, it's he doesn't get to everything, obviously, but um, can't. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. I, I admired his attempt in that entire series to cover all those aspects of metal, but I feel like I feel like that concept, that show. I wish that I wish that it had worked out that he could have gotten funding for somewhere else, not through VH1, and that they could have ended up on Netflix or something like that, where he would have had more. Well, you got to remember when that show came out netflix wasn't really what it is it, well, i don't even think it was yeah it probably wasn't even around yeah yeah so i mean totally different i mean yeah he he went where he he went where the money was and right. vh1 was doing rock documentaries and yeah. they still are so I, and I see why it worked for that yeah yeah i'm not i'm not trying to fault sam dunn he's done good stuff but you know unfortunately it's just him we just wait on this guy like no one else is doing anything, you know, and that's what kind of sucks about it. I've I've had ideas. I want to do stuff. But yeah, it's getting funding and time. I mean, you look at the way they recorded even the movie, the um, Headbangers Journey. I mean, they had to fly all over the place. Yeah. So that money's got to come from somewhere. It's yeah. not coming out of your own your bank account. That's for sure. It's coming from you know private funding somehow. So that's true. So that segment. From Guar to funding your movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty great. Um, let's play some more music. Let's play Guar. All right. We're talking about him. Yeah. Again. Um, this is in tribute, of course, to Mr. Odor's Yurungus, Dave Rocky himself. Um, I don't think we ever, we never really did a proper tribute show. But we we have played tracks in, in memory, but now was. Yeah, I guess we didn't. No, we never really did. Was so with you know all the stuff going on with Gore in the news right now, and then yeah. I'm come, they're coming to Comic Palooza. I thought it was a fitting time to play something from their yeah. last album. Yes. So the track that I picked out is "Madness at the Core of Time," and then we're going to get to another track right after that. We're gonna, just going to give you a two for yeah one two punch in the face. Yes. We're going to get something from the new Arcturus album. Yeah, which sounded good. Yes, we will talk about it when we get back because yep. uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff talking about this this album. It's it's. Talking about um, top 10 already? There's a contender already for Ooh. me. 
Let's uh, let's get into Guar, and then we'll get into some Arcturus, and we'll be right back.
Hey, we are back, and we just heard something from the brand new Arturis album. It's been 10 years since the last album, man. Yeah, it's no, crazy. I, I think, honestly, I just kind of thought that that project was done. Yeah. You know? Me too, man. I mean, if you don't know who Arcturus is, they've been around for a long time. Uh, I guess first full length was 96. It's uh, basically Hellhammer and ICS Vortex, yeah. who was in Bortnagar, Jimmy Borgir, a bunch of these bands. He's an awesome fucking vocalist. He does some weird stuff with his, his voice, man. Yeah. he's He left uh, Demue in, what, 09 or something? Yeah. Or Vortex is one of those guys where his voice is it's an instrument. It's not just singing, you know what I mean? Yeah, although he is a, he is a nice, melodic uh, singer. Yes, he is. When he wants to be. So the name of the new album is called Arcturian. The track that we heard is called The Arcturian Sign, and it does have like that really cool like techno-industrial beat intro. Yeah. It's a really, really good album. Who's, who's in the lineup right now? Uh, the lineup is Hellhammer, ICS Vortex, um, Molarn, Skull, and Severed. Severed. S V E R D. Okay. Yeah. Us Texan guys, we can't we can't say those Norwegian names like we should be able to. Yeah. I don't, I don't know who they're if they've been around or anything like that. Kind of hard when they're not using their real names. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just coming out right now. Um, actually, this week is the the full the release of it. It's on Prophecy Productions. I definitely recommend if you like really spacey black metal that's Bork Nagar in nature. Yeah, and that's the that's the key reference right there. Yeah. You Bork, have to I think you have to appreciate a little Bork Nagar to appreciate Arcturus. Is Bork Nagarian in nature? Yeah. We've we've turned two termed two different things tonight. Opesi yeah. Opesian in nature and Bork Nagarian in nature. Yeah. So I you know what? Speaking of Bork Nagar, I don't think we've ever mentioned on this on the show, but uh, you know, Vinersorg, um had a head injury like about half a year ago. No, I didn't know that. He was like, he fell off a ladder doing something. I don't know what he was doing, but um, he had a head injury. Went to the hospital. They did like some right. operations. And I have stuff. to. I have to say it. Did he go from Vintersorg to Vintersor? Yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> just the worst. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Let's go back to it. But. Um, so anyway, he's he's posted updates on his Facebook about how he's recuperating and stuff, but like it affected his um, it 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 just kind of messed him up. I I don't know. I don't want to say the wrong thing, but he um, basically I get the impression that he has like a long you know recuperation period oh, ahead wow. of him. Long basically. road to recovery, huh? And so he's he's said that um, you know he's in a the music might be slow in coming that kind of thing. So that's affecting Vinersorg himself as projects. Yeah, like Bork Nagar, you know. Um, it made me wonder if like they would consider like well if we want to get Borknegar album out getting Vortex on board again as the singer I mean that could be a solution it would work yeah. I want of course I we, I want Venusaur to get better and get back to it but um, obviously his health is more important than anything so. right so yeah um, best wishes to Venusaur because that that sucks when I, when I read about that I was a couple months late on it no I didn't even know this I was yet. just like what. You know, and I'm a couple. And it's weird. Facebook has this way of just hiding news. Okay, from, we're not going there, are we? No, I'm not going to rant about it. Okay. But like, I, for example, I didn't know that uh, Thomas Boucherberg and Clementine Delune are no longer in Serenity, which really bummed me out because that was a band that right 
I was really big on that album. I felt like they were heading in the right direction. They were going to be competing with like some of the bigger power metal bands. And then they lose their main songwriter, their guitarist. They lose the uh, great female voice they had. She's going to be doing other like visions of Atlantis now. Bummer. It just sucked. I, I, I read that like a couple months after it happened, thanks to stupid Facebook. Um, apparently, I guess it didn't make blabbermouth or whatever, but... Uh, yeah, the the Facebook algorithm is it's all kinds God of awful. Yeah, yeah. It's it's going to get worse too. There's some articles I read recently that's yeah, getting I read about. Yeah, that. okay, we're not going there. Yeah. <laughs> we'll save that for a ranting on Metal Geeks or something, yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, so yeah, New Arcturus definitely recommend this album. It's it's I can't stop listening to it. It's just really that good. Yeah. So let's talk about some concerts we've been to recently. Yeah. First of all, a couple weeks ago, the week before last, last Thursday, I believe, I went to go see Primus. It's very cool. I'm a huge Primus fan. Hadn't seen them in probably nine years. Yeah. And this is the original lineup was like Tim Alexander. Right. And it, you know, it's Larry Lalonde and it's the full lineup. And I wasn't planning to go, but lucky me won tickets on Facebook again. Right. And yeah. and I, I sort of debated whether to go or not. This is the opening night of, of Age of Ultron. I'm like, should I go see Age of Ultron instead? And then Dave's like, dude, are you stupid? Go see Primus. Yeah, I'm the like, movie will be there tomorrow. Oh, yeah. All right, I'll go see Primus. <laughs> so it was like a last minute decision to go to the show. And I'm glad I went. I, I got there late, um, probably maybe half an hour into their show. Oh, wow. They, were, they did this weird okay like the first half of the show was like old classic stuff and then some deep cuts and they had this red velvet you know you know curtain behind them and they didn't have much of the stage i was like okay so it's this very intimate very very it was packed too it was like super packed All right little intimate show then like right what by venue the, is this uh, was it the um uh, the one downtown the, house of blues no it wasn't house of blues oh um what's it called Verizon, Verizon Air, yeah. Bayou Music Center, Bayou, yeah, whatever they keep changing, whatever the they name. call it now. And the they, you know, they played "My Name Is Mud" and Jerry with a race car driver. And yeah. They played some deep cuts too, which was like Happy Wiz. Right. And then they took like seriously like a half an hour break, and like this intermission. And during this intermission, I actually ran into Jermaine Rogers, who's a really cool pop artist who does, you know. Um, a lot of cool concert, you know, like Kozik does like the concert prints and stuff like that. Right. I actually have some of his work and I've met him a few times here because he, he's a local guy and he did the special Primus, you know, one for the night you can buy it at it, the booth. It was like 40 bucks, but I didn't buy, but he posted on Facebook earlier that, Hey, if you, uh, you know, come find me at the show, I have special prints to give out to you. And he did. He had this really cool print of like uh Willy Wonka, with like a bunch of candy in front of him. He was doing the old, um, you know, the Jimi Hendrix pose where he was like burning the guitar, doing oh, that wow. thing. And this is like his original art. Yeah. It was, oh, the prints right. of it, but yeah. it was like a gold embossed print. He's really, he was a really cool guy. I talked to him for a while, but, uh, then Primus came out with the fungi ensemble, which is the band that played on the, the Willy Wonka album. Huh? Whole set was done up like Willy Wonka candy, big, mu- like candy mushrooms and, they had guys out coming out in big Oompa Loompa outfits. And yeah. <laughs> they did all the songs from that album, and it was just, it was creepy. It was weird. And they had like a video screen behind them. 
and they were taking their heads scenes from the movie and they were just like they were fucking with them they were like reversing them and then slowing them down and doing this all this weird stuff and then they took a little break and they played an encore and they came out and did like three or four more songs they did too many puppies which i was was happy for and it was just a, it was an overall just a lot of fun. So when they did this big thirty minute intermission, was there anything like they were like did they announce it or did they nope. say like so they just like left they, the stage? They, yeah, pretty much they left. They said, "How did the audience know just to remain in place?" I don't remember if they said we'll be back or what, but okay, people yeah. knew. Okay, yeah. I, I, so after ten I don't minutes, know. you start to figure like you know what? Maybe the fuck not do these guys yeah. go? I mean, the lights didn't come on, so right. you know they're not right. Gone. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's really really cool. Boy, that's got to be I, – I get what they're doing. Like, okay, we're taking intermission, but, like, I'm sure people in the front were like, stay in place, stay in place, that kind of thing. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, people people did dissipate a little bit. Right, yeah. And I was able to get a little bit closer for a while. Yeah. But I don't know. Because I'll tell you, that's a pet peeve of mine, man, like, at it shows. Like, when the when it just takes too long for a band. Yeah. I, lo- I always love those rare shows you go to where, like, it seems like – you go in there, you wait for like 10 minutes, and all of a sudden, whoa, the bands, the opening band's playing. Great. Okay. All right. And the transitions between bands are like five minutes, 10 minutes. Like yes. They just keep going. Not 45. Yeah. Or, Come on. Yeah. Yeah. The worst show a long time ago, I went to this show, In Flames uh, played a club called Fitzgerald's in Houston. They had oh, like, yeah. I'm not exaggerating, five opening bands and then In Flames. And all the opening bands were local bands. And in between each local band it seemed like they just took like 20 minutes to, to change this thing up by the time i got out of that show it was actually close to 2 a.m wow. i remember and it was just like local bands like that's cool but five of them really and it just dragged on to a point where i went up i went up to the balcony level and i just sort of zoned out for a while and i just <laughs> stopped paint, i stopped listening it's like i was actually here for in flames but i kind of just want to go home now yeah know? i know i feel you there the wait times in shows i mean i don't know it's 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 a killer it's so, it's, the, it's the kind of thing that can actually ruin an experience so by the time this out this episode is released it will come out a week later than when we record usually. Yeah. Um, Cause there's time for editing and promotion and, and all that kind of stuff. But we went to a concert together the other night. Yeah. yeah but here, the... I almost didn't make it in. Right. Yeah. So let's, let me talk about that story. So okay. we went, um, you already bought a ticket. Uh huh. Um, I was given a, a, a pass from K and AC to review the show and I didn't bring a camera or anything. Thank God I didn't. But uh, of course it was Delane, Sabaton and Nightwish. Big show. I get up there a little bit later. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to, you know, I know I'm probably going to miss part of the opening band, but I got off of work, you know, made dinner, lazy, you know, you don't want us to leave right away, right, you yeah, know? Right. When the show starts at eight and I get off work at six, that's difficult. But I get there and I was like, okay, I'm on the guest list for KNAC, blah, blah, blah. And I gave them my, my ID and they're like, We're, you're not on the list. Like, what do you mean? I'm on, I know I'm on the guest list for, you know, and I told him the production company that gave me the PR company and like, nope, you're not here. All right. Next person. I'm like, what the fuck? Now I know I'm on the list. She's and I didn't know what to do. So I looked at my emails and, you know, I found the guy from the company who sent me up with the, the he's like, Oh, here's just in case you have any problems. Here's the phone number of the tour manager. Gave me his name and everything. Called him. No answer. Texted him. I was like, hey, you know, I'm with KNAC and I'm not, ticket's not here for me. What's going on? What's the deal? 
what is the deal? And I was I was like, I'm not paying was like forty five bucks at the door to get You're right, in. Right, yeah. A ridiculous amount of money just for that show. Right. <laughs> I was like, I'm not paying that money. I you know, and I knew Sabaton was about to go on in like yeah. the next five, ten minutes because when I got there delaying was just finishing up. So I'm not gonna mention any these any names, but a guy in the scene saw my dilemma and he's like, oh, I'm gonna take care of it. So he goes in. He's like, oh, I told somebody and blah, blah, blah. And, I, you know, we'll see what happens. And I was like, oh, you know, I, I was about ready to leave. You know, I was like, there's no way I'm going to get in. And Dauber for Emotions of Slumber, next thing I knew, I heard my name. He's like, Carrie. And I turn around, there he was. And he had a pass, uh, you know, like a, you know, photo pass and a ticket for me. He's like, I heard about, you know, come on in. Yeah. Walk, walked right up, Very went around cool. the thing, walked in. I was like, all right. So I, you know, thanked him profusely. I was right. like, yeah, I was like, thank you very, very much, man. And I saw the lights coming down. I was like, I know Sabaton is about to come on. Like, all right. I know Sean's here somewhere. So I was like, oh, I'll find him after Sabaton plays. And I just walked up like halfway up and I looked over and like, there's Sean, like three yeah. people over. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. hey, what's up? We watched Sabaton together. Yeah. So let's, let's start talking about the show. Um, since I did make it in. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I mean, my experience was 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 that I I basically I, I saw Delane last year and I wasn't that wild on them. Um, they're good with what they do, but it's not like I don't know. I just didn't really feel the need to see them again. So I went to that bar in the last episode to have some continuity with the last episode. We <laughs> talked about Neils. It's the bar callback. Yeah, call it back to the last episode. The bar that was diagonally across from the venue is called Neil's. It's this comic book geek themed bar, video game consoles. There's this great place. Yes. And so I, I, I basically geek, geek bar heaven. To, to to call back to the last episode about what's our perfect uh, show situation. That venue, for all its faults, finally has a situation where I I feel like I'm going to look forward to going to shows there now because I can go there, drink at this bar beforehand, eat some barbecue at the. They're cooking barbecue up out and there and play out, Mario Kart and play Mario Kart or they even had like the uh, the Cavs game on, so I watched a little bit of that. It was great. So I come they have in sports on there. One te- they had uh, three TVs, one showing Star Trek, one showing Simpsons, one showing the Cavs game, the playoffs. All right, so I'm a little disappointed now. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> but um, great little spot. So if you're in Houston, go to Neil's by Warehouse Live. Yes. Um, but uh, I, I, when I enter in the venue, uh, Dwayne's on their last song, and I move up when these guys are pushing their way through the crowd. I follow in behind them to get up to uh, close to the front to see Sabaton. Um, I don't. I don't. Let's I talk don't, about Sabaton. I am not a big fan of the sound in that venue. I've never I been a fan of. Never the sound. have been. It doesn't sound good. I've seen Opeth in the big room um, like yeah. two times there, and I've never been a fan of the sound there. Even when Opeth was playing in the small room next door, or in the little ante room there, that's where I saw Blind Guardian and At the Gates. Yep. And again, the sound sound problems just like plague that venue. So I'm not. I, I'm not wild in the acoustics. But um, that being said, yeah, it was the worst sound i've heard for sabaton in the seven times i've seen them now well the last six times we've seen them it's always been scout bar and they always have really good sound no well i mean i saw them in san antonio at backstage live too and they sounded great there you know it's just um for whatever reason the mix had the the keyboard the the backing keyboards they don't have a keyboard player on stage but the backing track should have been louder because that's where a lot of the melody is in sabaton's music the guitars were too loud Yokim was like really low in the mix too. Yokim was extremely low in the mix, and that was unfortunate because, I mean, come on, he's he's the guy, you know. Yeah. And so, 
Um, but I feel like, and I feel like the band kind of noticed that. Like, I feel like they might have not been happy with the you sound. You think they were extra hammy that night? And I think they went extra hammy <laughs> on their antics, their their joke throwing. They they clear. Here's the thing about Sabaton: they've toured the state so much that they realize that Texas is like a special place for them because yes. they get big receptions in Texas. Oh yeah, very huge. And here. it's not like that anywhere else. I mean, it, I, I'm not saying that other cities don't have that, but in Texas in particular, I, I know that they have spoken about it at length. Um, that they like playing down here because the audio, because the enthusiasm from the crowd is is so much. And there's more Nightwish fans there clearly than Sabaton yeah. fans. But by the end of people the show, are there for Nightwish. Oh, very much there for. I was there for Sabaton. Honestly, we were joking. I was talking to these people in the line when I was stupidly waiting in the line for whatever reason. I figured out I shouldn't be waiting in the line. Um, we were talking about how the it looked like the average median age of the audience was like. I don't know, 18 years old, if you averaged everyone together, you know, it's like, this is a young crowd, like a lot of kids, a lot of teenagers, a lot of the kids behind me in line were in high school talking right. about like, oh, they had seen each other in fifth period or whatever. You know, you know, Sabaton always puts on a good show. They do what they do. They have the audience eating out of their hands. Yeah. And, it, and it's yoke. And it's just, it's the, it's the fact that they're smiling on stage. You don't see a lot of metal ha- bands do they're that. Happy. They're happy. They're happy to be playing. Yeah. They're happy to have an audience. They're goofing off. They're, you know, they're, they're fucking with each other while they're playing. Joachim has great uh, stage mechanism movements yeah. on stage to get the crowd going, you know? It's He's, not just the traditional, hey, hey, hey. Compared, hey. the only other lead of a band that I could compare Joachim to of how much he can control an audience it's Bruce Dickinson. Yeah, Bruce is the only answer. I mean, I've seen a lot of those good yeah. frontmen, but Bruce Dickinson is is up there as far as being a guy who can get an audience to basically. There's a lot of cliches you can throw here, but basically, when he says "scream for me," everyone screams for him, and not and you can't be the frontman of some generic rock band and have everyone do that, right? You know, but Sabaton, I mean they they appreciate the fans. You can tell. I mean, they hung out. It shows like a scout bar afterwards, and this met everybody they, that would want to, you know, come up to him. Yeah, well, this show was noteworthy for them. They're, this is their first appearance in Houston where they're not playing at that other venue, Scout Bar. And here's and the they thing, mentioned that on stage too. Before, yeah, they they even talked about it. Like, oh, we can actually see the city. We're actually in downtown for once. Uh, for anyone not familiar with Houston, there's Houston, the central, the city, downtown, very big city. We're the fourth largest city in the United States. The venue that Sabaton normally plays at that a lot of metal shows go to is called the Scout Bar. The Scout Bar is way over on the southeast, very stretchy corner of the city. Like, it's barely in Houston. You're basically on the outskirts of the... Ma- of, of you're the going towards nearby Galveston. Yeah, area. you're going towards the coast. It's yeah. where NASA is, basically. It, it really is. Yeah. So, um, it's just... Yeah, it's it's it was cool to see them in a different setting. Uh, that being said, I, I sort of... I just wish they were at... I wish that show was at, like the scout bar even though that would be obnoxiously crowded for a night with show i don't think they would get everyone no. in there there's no way i've been to a testament show at scout bar that was like that it was just nut to butt you could not move oh yeah well i remember um speaking of sabaton when i saw except in sabaton yeah for whatever it was a saturday night and for whatever reason that show was packed wall to wall like you could not move it was except i believe yeah uh, except that was yeah. definitely what brought all the old school rockers um, out so you know this show sabaton 
good set list. Not not the best song choice. I feel like they could have skipped Ghost Division. I feel like that's kind of been played out as an opening song for them. Well, but it's a it's a good catchy track and it is. But I just feel like, especially with the sound problems they had, it didn't have the same impact it could have. Um, when it's on, it's really good. But it it, it I don't know. It, and I feel like. Um, I feel like they could have. I, I, I like the fact that they played "Resist and Bite." Yeah, great. My favorite song from the last album, and it sounded so great live. You know, they didn't do that song last time. They played uh, the Audie Murphy song, which they did again uh, two night, a couple nights ago. But um, so the set was it was okay. Well, it could have been improved, but they, they didn't have a long time. They, they only had, had like a certain a amount of time 30, yeah. 35 minutes. Set, you know, and they decided to. I feel like they consciously decided to add a little bit of um, jokey humor time. If you if you took all the jokey humor time they did and it would compound it, it probably would have equaled out another song they could have played Maybe. at that time. The, the, during the like right before the last song, there these two kids in the audience, like a six and eight year old, yeah. you know, brother and sister. And they brought him on stage and they did all this little stuff with him. I'm and, surprised that whole thing worked out as well as it did because they had the kids on stage. They gave he gave them the sunglasses. Yeah, he does this a lot on tour, um, but then he shuffled them to the back. And they were on stage, and I actually looked over at them, and they were like headbanging on yeah. stage while they were playing that that last song. And I was like, okay, that's that kind of worked out as well as it could have, because they could have like freaked out, started crying, like the drums are too loud, everything's scary around them, you know. We are little little kids, so, um, so I think uh, I, I feel like, and I was looking around at people's reactions around me on the you know this balcony to my left, and yes. people on my right, and you know looking at these Nightwish fans and seeing what they were what was etched on their face and most of the time everyone was just kind of grinning you know like wow look at these guys you know i heard people commenting after they played and they're, and they're i really liked it i've never heard them before but i love that band yeah so i think they won a lot of people over that night on this yeah. tour they're going to win a lot of people over yeah no and this is the this is the kind of tour they need to sabaton be on. is not going to be the little band that everybody loves anymore they're going to be a big band i feel like the next time they come through houston i, I feel like they could if they headlined, they would be back at the Scout Bar, but it would be a bigger audience for them. Well, you know? yeah. I mean, one of the times we saw them headline at Scout Bar, there was maybe 50, 60 people. Yeah. yeah. It was a great show. It was a, yeah, it was great for us. Yeah. But, uh, oh, I, I remember seeing them at Backstage Live in San Antonio. Backstage Live, by the way, is basically comparable to Warehouse Live yeah. as far as venue size. And there was only 50 people there. That was the, that was the very first show they had the new guys in the band oh, yeah. on the Carolus Rex tour. The very first show. And uh, there was only 50 people there, but, like, they played, like, that place was packed. And I saw Immortal there a couple years prior, and the, where the place really was packed, and there was, like, police outside for security. Wow. And um, that, that venue can get filled to the gills, but... Uh, let's talk about Nightwish real quick. Yes. Well, um, you know, let's let's not, because this segment's really running long. Yeah. So we're going to get into a next track, and then we're going to come back and talk about Nightwish show. Yes, yes. We have um, a lot to say about Nightwish's Yeah, we do. So let's get something, um, let's get some Halloween-y in here. We have a couple new tracks to play. Is this new Halloween? This is brand new Halloween. Huh. Okay, so this album comes out in July, right? They released a single already. Okay. Um, This is one of the tracks called Lost in America. Yeah, I haven't heard this yet. You're about to. (laughs) Full disclosures. Okay, yeah. So yeah, it's uh, it's definitely Halloween. It's a little bit old school in a way. Huh. You'll you'll hear it. it, it, it it's, to me, it sounds like something that could fit that can right a, on. That could mean a lot when you refer. It sounds to like it. something that could fit right on "Keeper of the Seven Keys." Okay, all right. It really does. Let's get into uh, Halloween. We're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about Nightwish, 
and then we have one uh, brand new track to play at the very end of the show that uh pretty surprising yes and uh, we'll be right back We're just listening to Halloween's, uh, what's the name of that song? Lost in America. Lost in America. A nice little hook. It's a B-side from their current single. It's not current the, single, yeah. It's probably going to be on the album, but yeah, uh, B-side sounds so weird when you say it like that. The name of the single was, 
the battle the is won. The battle is won. Okay. Yeah, there's a lyric video for that yeah. song right now, which is pretty cool. So we listened to both of these songs. I gotta say, I like the B-side way more than the actual single. It has a catchy, uh, very catchy hook in the chorus. Well, it's just, it just the, what the B-side reminds me of is... Um, like the old, you know, traditional Halloween, because Halloween always has a humorous side to them yes. too. You know, just, and that's kind of like one of their long-running things. And so it's just, I don't know, better hook. That hook is great. Has a new vocalist, Andy Darius. Yeah, a new vocalist. Yeah, <laughs> been in the band longer than any other vocals I've ever had. Yeah, that 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 actual single though, which you know, obviously you have to go and hear it yourself, but. Um, that, that's, it seemed to be lacking something. I don't know. No, it, the first time I heard it, I felt the same way. Yeah. Maybe I'll, now it's really, really, really catchy. Okay. I'll have to, I'll have to go back. It's and one of those, it's one of those earworms. Yeah. I didn't really, I don't know, you know, Halloween's so hard to, when you think about, everyone wants to relate everything to their keeper era. But to me, it sounded almost like a mix of like, um, not it wasn't the last album, but it was the album before that. When the, before the weird album they just did, the weird album. Um, it's sort of like, you know, the, the, for me when you when you talk about Andy Darris era Halloween, I feel like you can only compare it to Andy Darris era Halloween because there's nothing that they've really done that reminds me of anything they did with Kiske. I feel like it's almost two different bands. Maybe that's a minority opinion, but like. Kisuke's so, vocals just made that band sound entirely different. So the album is called My God Given Right. comes mm-hmm. out sometime in 2015, a few months from now. Yeah, I've heard July. Okay. So this would be like the summer album. Are you talking about Straight Out of Hell? That was a a funny album? Yes, too, yeah, Straight Out Yeah, straight out of Hell. That's a, that was a catchy-ass album. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm thinking more about like the sonic palette of the song that okay. I heard. Because it was, it's not as like heavy as the Dark Ride or anything, you know. But uh, no. And I think you know, honestly, sometimes I wish they would go back to that Dark Ride kind of motif, that style. But um, eh, Halloween does what Halloween does. What are you gonna do? That is very true. <laughs> they always have a Halloween style about them. Yeah. Did you ever listen to the album they did, Unarmed? Was that the was that the weird album they just did the the like the remade covers of? Well, two thousand nine, so okay. But it was a re reworked version of older tracks. Yeah, I, I was not a fan of that. I love that album. I'm not a fan of that album. I I I, I appreciate the fact that they try to do something different, and I'm not going to kill them for it. But I just for what it just didn't work for me. Like I was not impressed. I don't know the the Keeper trilogy on that album. You know, it was <clears throat> it's so heavy. It's so good. It's just, yeah. Maybe I'll go back and I'll. There's I'll definitely, it's definitely different because I mean, there's like jazz versions of, oh. like, of like Doctor Stein. Yeah, no good. No, it, you, you'll get into it. You're not leaving this house until you listen to it over okay. and over and over. <laughs> but yeah, there was something from the uh, the brand new Halloween that comes out this year. Um, just a little sample, and we have a sample from another album coming out soon to end the show but let's not get there quite yet yeah let's not we were talking about Nightwish right we're talking we need to talk about Nightwish um so here's here's my thing about Nightwish yeah I've never been a big fan Mm -hmm. but I adore the new album I love the new album it's really really good mainly because Floor's presence right maybe um maybe it's the first album that I really gave the time and respect enough to yeah, to really like, get into. I feel like you have to go back at some point and explore their catalog over again. 
Okay. And go back to like you know uh, Wishmaster, Century Child, and Whiston and go and see what what it is that is bringing these eighteen year old girls to these shows, right? What it the set list for the show? Were you happy with it? Uh, yes and no. I was happy with how audacious it was, but they packed in three epics. Unheard. One of the epics is twenty four minutes long. For God's sake, well, from the new album. Yeah, and yeah. they they played that. They played the poet and the pendulum, which was from Dark Passion Play, which is like a thirteen minute long song. Uh, it, Flora actually mentioned that it was only the third time they had played it. I knew that wasn't true when I heard it. She meant that it was because I've heard Annette sing it back in oh seven. It's the third she time they it played it. Third time with her, her, she played it. Right. Well, third and time it, that night. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so it was. And they did a good job. It just went on a little bit too long. I feel like the poet and the pendulum, they should have just played the the main the first seven minutes. That's like the 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 meaty part of the song, and the rest of it sort of it's good, but it just trails off, and sort I feel of like it killed, off, yeah. it, it killed the momentum of the set. Um, I was bored a few times during the, last, the, during the set. Uh, I'll tell you the truth. What was it the the um, the greatest show on earth? Uh, the twenty four minute long epic. Yeah, I think that like that was really tough to get through. I mean, it was. It was there's good there's a good part in that song, but the rest of it, I feel like that song just didn't work overall in the live. There's no reason to play a song that's 24 minutes long with all the segues and everything they're doing in between. And then they also played Ghost Love Score, which I loved. I was a big fan of that. I'm just like, wow, you guys are really packing in the epics here. And I feel like that sucks in a way because it, it's cutting away time from other songs. There was no Ever Dream, which which is which. If you go to a night with show and you can't hear that classic, oh, that sucks. See, I left right. Towards the end. Right. So I didn't hear... What were the last couple of songs? Ghost Love Score, and uh, I know the last song was Last Ride of the Day. They also did... Um, I, I can't remember anymore, but... What uh, was their, their their famous... What are they, the, the most famous song they're Nemo was their biggest hit. They didn't play that at all. They, In fact, I think that um, they didn't really touch that album. They didn't really touch the Once album. Why is that? I don't know. That's that's strange. Yeah, I don't think they even hit upon that album. Maybe they're just tired of playing it. They actually because the set list was mostly comprised of um, the two Annette albums and then this new album. Uh, they played a lot of the new album. Yeah, they did, which I liked. I mean, like "Weak Fantasy" is a good track. We played that, that last great. time. That sounded great. Live. That Elon song. Yeah, the it one was that good. sounds like Amorphous. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, it does. They uh, the best song of the new album was Alpen Glow. That song, it I think it's the best song in that album. It punches on the album and it just get killed. Why? That was a great song. Uh, they played Shudder before the beautiful. Yeah, they did the that. that. Yeah, and then uh, the other endless I forms was, most beautiful. They played Stargazers off Oceanborn. They, I've never heard that song live before. That was amazing to hear that. And then Sweeping Sun, I don't think I've heard Sweeping Sun before. So those old songs, they dug back into the far catalog and brought them out. Now, like, you're saying something about the drummer. Okay, so the was the name of Jocko? Juka. Juka? Yeah. He's no, he's taking time off from the band? Yeah, I guess he has, he has like a medical problem or a condition. Okay. I think it's like insomnia or something like that. It's uh, All right. And it was, it's been affecting him for a long time. That's so what you wanted get, when you're in a band, right? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I, I guess it takes its toll. He's He's been with the band since the very beginning, so he's experienced all the rigorous touring. And, so they have a temporary drummer that's uh, yeah. just filling in for him. He played on the last album, right? He played on the new album. Um, right, that's what I meant, the new album. And then he played. he's playing with him live. Yeah, Mr. Kai Haito. Yes, who is also in... Winter Sun Winter and, Sun and one of my favorite bands, Swallow the Sun. Yeah. 
Yeah. I did not realize that. He did a good job. I mean, yeah. he was, I, I, he, I really didn't notice the difference. I mean, not, not disrespecting Juca, but like they found the right guy yeah. to help him out, you know? And what's he going to do? Sit around waiting for, you know, Yari to get off his ass and finish time part two. No, go on tour with Nightwish, you know, have fun. Get some money. Get some money. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, they, you know, I'm not, again, with Troy being in the band, playing the pipes and the flute, I'm not, I mean, he, I honestly didn't really notice him on stage. And and I've seen he him. Wasn't there, he wasn't there the whole time. They only brought him out for, like, certain songs. Certain songs that he has a role in. The last time I saw him in Austin a few years ago, uh, when Floor was in her second week in the band helping to fill in after Annette quit, uh, he was featured a lot more. Like I, The set was kind of geared more towards him. And he was good. I mean, he's 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 a really great musician. But sometimes I just kind of wonder. I mean, what was he going to do? Just sit there with the sum up his butt while he's not playing anything? No, but I, I just wonder, like, if his role as a permanent member of the band is going to continue for mm-hmm. a long. You know, I don't know if he's going to be in there. Pipe that stuff in from pre-recorded material. Yeah, I mean, you want it's expensive to bring. You're you're talking at, you know, all the costs associated with bringing another member on board on tour. Nightwish makes plenty of money, I'm sure. Anyway, the uh, the VIP packages themselves are 175 bucks. Not criticizing, what? not criticizing. 175 bucks. I think what? I think that they get? were I think that they were tiers, but like a hundred. It was one maybe like a hundred, one twenty five, one seventy five. I have uh, coworkers of mine. Um, her, they're Daryl and Veronica, right? They mm-hmm. posted this picture of friend the meet and greet, and they call it the Last Supper because. It's the, I'll have to show you the picture. It's a picture of the whole band just sitting at, at a long table. table. Yeah, one of the guys was had his eyes closed, looked like he was tired, and there and then the couple they're just standing behind him. Right, and it looked like the Last Supper. Right, <laughs> yeah. And it's just the weirdest thing ever. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I know the meeting greets are always at these tables. That's how Camel. I, I, if you notice these bands who are offering these packages on their social media, they they update them constantly with pictures of like. Hey, you know, we're trying to sell these packages. Here's what you could be doing. You can meet us and have a good goof off moment with us. Camelot's actually really good about it. they're really shrewd at their marketing. And you know, the band, you know, you can get your autograph and all that, but they were selling autographed pre autographed posters for five bucks each. Yeah. Which I is like, I mean, which if, if you want something that's been autographed, that's not a bad deal. Five no. bucks. And it's a five buck poster is actually not a bad deal. But you know, my I'm not. I, it's hard to kill bands for doing things like VIPs and stuff like that because it's a no-brainer. If you're in a band, just yeah, just take like an hour and charge you know charge fans some extra money to come do like a little private. Meet. But shouldn't we just do, get it for free? The old well, the the spirit of the old way is that I would go to a show and I would get there early. I would get there at two p.m. when I was like, you know, had nothing better to do when I was like eighteen years old, and I'd see Alexi Leho walking down the street. And be like, whoa, this is awesome. And I just run into him, or I run into the, I run into uh, um, Carl from Nile, you know, in a gas station near the venue, near Cardi's. And I'm like right behind him in the line going, this is freaking cool, you know? But sales don't mean anything anymore. Bands have a hard time making money. You have to make money, and the only avenue they can is live. And why not create VIP packages? Yeah. You know, hey, if, Here's a th- here's the thing you don't want, you can just buy a ticket you can go see the show you can go home if you want to meet the band this is a guaranteed way to meet the band 
you will pay this money and you will get an audience with the band. That's it'll, true. It'll be a couple, maybe only a minute, but you will actually have the guarantee of meeting them. Whereas in the past, you have to hustle around the bus and do all this other stuff and stay later and hope that they come out of the bus. And I love the magic of those of that kind of thing. But when you get older, you don't really care as much. Like I don't care about meeting bands that much anymore. But I understand. I like the fact that there is an opportunity, a guaranteed opportunity for people who want to meet, shake Tuoma's Holopainen's hand. They can do it, you know. And it's like, and the band makes money, and the band can help. It helps finance other things, you know. So I can't argue with that. I I mean, if you're a big enough fan of the band and you want to guarantee that you're going to meet him, you're going to pay the money. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, people because I've heard people complain about VIP. Oh, VIP packages, the greedy. No, it's just. They one of their sources of income deteriorated because the industry fell to, to pieces. Yeah, and this is just another avenue, a revenue stream they can use to make up the difference. So I mean, more power to them, you know. So I think that's going to wrap up this episode, and we've talked about a lot of yes, a lot of a lot of frank discussion. Yeah, I, I will say, you know, we were criticizing Nightwish. They sounded good. They no, they always no, put on the good yeah, show. They, they sound the lighting great. was great. Everything's they, they, go see them if you if you have a chance to go see them on this tour. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a big enough fan of them to know all their material. So some of the stuff just I was like, oh okay, they're playing, but I don't it, know the song. In summation, it wasn't a good set list for someone who had seen who has seen them for the first time because okay. it was missing their classics. But uh, they're a band that's going to push the new album, that kind of thing. So and I really like the new album, so I was appreciative. Yeah, of that. yeah, yeah, that worked out for you. So let's talk about where you can find us on the internet. So first of all, um, you can go to msrcast.com. Yes. You can go to metalgeeks.net. And you can go to metalinjection.net, our our home for over 10 years now. I can't believe we've been doing this for 10 years, man. Well, I've been doing it for 10 years. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Um, so all of our social media, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at msrcast. Follow us as well at Metal Geeks on all those all those formats and places. Find us on iTunes. Yes. Subscribe to us there. Give us uh, some five star reviews. Yeah. Leave some reviews at all, and it really does help. You know, build the audience of the show. Yeah. Or or if you're that guy, you give us a bad review. If that or that one guy who just tweeted me a day yeah. ago, angry that I was uh, knocking Slayer in the last episode. I like that though. I like the fact that I'm getting feedback one way or the other. We're getting nice emails from people. We're getting some hate from people. It's like, okay, that's good. You know, when you know you've made it, we're doing good things. When you get hate mail, you've made it. Yeah. And to the the guy who, I I forgot what his name was, who, who was angry at me for uh, bashing Slayer. Um, Fair, whatever. I I don't care. Um, I don't like Slayer. Fair enough. I've heard the new track and yeah, you might, you might, you might have a point there, sir. Endless flavors of metal. Not everyone's in the like Slayer. Uh, yeah. We're not, okay, we're not getting on that toe box. No. no. So uh, where can people find you? Uh, at the Metal Pigeon on everything. Everything? Uh, you know, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. Pinterest? Most active on Twitter. No Pinterest? No, I wouldn't know what to do on Pinterest. I don't yeah, even I don't know think what that is. Does. People, someone keeps, or, I've been told to try Tumblr, but... I'll be honest with you. Tumblr just confuses me. I don't. I don't even know what I'm looking at when I go to Tumblr. Right. I don't know what that's supposed to be. Like, what is? What am I looking at? Tumbling through pictures, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. There's not like, people. People have told me to try make t- converting the metal pigeon to a blog on Tumblr. Is that possible? I've never seen text on Tumblr. I just see pictures. Yeah, and, there's text. Okay. Huh. Hmm, maybe I don't know. I uh, yeah. 
I'm I'm fine where I am. So let's talk about the last track of the evening. This is something we just heard while we were actually recording. Yeah. This like, is okay, we got to play this. Yeah. Uh, I've heard a couple tracks from the new Paradise Lost, of course. This is what we're talking about. The album is called The Plague Within. comes out very, very soon. But the track that I heard, we heard earlier is called Beneath Broken Earth. And holy crap, dude. Doomy. The bloodbath influence. Slow, the bloodbath, the heavy fucking vocals. It's really, really good. It's something that I was not expecting from Paradise Lost. But, but you know, considering the bloodbath thing, like how well it was received, I guess it's not that much of a surprise that he'd want to let it seep into Paradise Lost a bit. Yeah, I will be true. surprised if the entire album is, ends up no, being like this. Well, we heard another little track, and it wasn't... He he was he was doing more of his clean style style, man. but man, I I love this this track. It's really slow and doomy, and, yeah. And it's it's old school fucking it's, paradise. It's the Lost. heaviest they've been in all. But it time. still mixes the new nuances that they've been known for for the past you know ten fifteen years yeah. too. Yeah, it, it it definitely this album, the tone the the vibe of it reminds me of Draconian Times. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Um, it, I, which is great. That's the album that actually got me into the band. Yeah, it might be the like the good like to kind of break the pattern of what they've been doing lately. This might be a nice thing for them to do. Like, um, you know, bands like to, when they get into a set pattern, there is a tendency to to maybe lean a little too heavily on certain aspects, like the like the clean vocal thing. You know, where all of a sudden you do sound like amorphous. Well, you can't really you know? say he doesn't really do clean vocals. Like it's just it's, per se, it's right. more harmonized vocals yeah, yeah. you know as clean as he can get well yeah yeah it's not harsh or anything but i don't know yeah this album is called the plague within I'm really looking forward to it when is this uh when's this scheduled to come out the oh that the, artwork is very nice. yeah the artwork is really really cool uh encyclopedia metallium Right now says June first is the release date. Have you seen the artwork uh, for that Apocalyptica album, the new one? No, I have not. It's like uh, it's just this guy in white robes, this kind of weird figure. Um, really great artwork. Sadly, the album is just kind of generic. I to, it's weird to say the Apocalyptica is generic radio rock, but it really does sound generic. It's not not good at all. That's, but the artwork, I, 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 I saw the vinyl and I was just like, oh, that looks really good good enough to frame that kind of thing wow you know? have to yeah. check it out so thanks for checking us out yes. look at that segue um we're gonna leave you with uh, this last track paradise lost the track is called beneath broken earth and uh we will say see you guys next time keep it metal i was gonna say that yeah i said it first keep it metal yeah who's gonna say it last keep it metal keep it metal oh uh,
Thanks for listening to another fine podcast brought to you by MSR Productions. All rights reserved, blah, 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 blah. For reviews, archives of our podcasts, and all your other metal geekery needs, please visit metalgeeks.net.